because of the threat of a 3.4% case fatality rate and the need to move a potential countermeasure forward without uh, the due process that normally would take place. That's what transpired. And I can tell you, 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 you know, I'm, I'm labeled as uh, far right and all the pejoratives that we're all so familiar with, including being a conspiracy theorist, but all I am is a physician and scientist who happened to have had a role in the genesis of this technology when I was a young man. Uh, back in 1987 to 1990, I'm very, very familiar with the technology, worked as an academic to try to advance it until I determined that I could not overcome the toxicity associated with it and abandon it for other technology platforms, which I also developed. Um, but in this case, what, what I have objected to is that as a physician and scientist who is well-trained in clinical research and regulatory affairs, that we have decimated my, my discipline. We have rejected the knowledge that myself has have contributed to and all of my peers and colleagues over decades about how one should do this, how one should act, what steps one should take in order to ensure that we have safe and effective products for humans. It's that simple. And furthermore, that we have rejected the norms that have been developed since World War II to respect human dignity, to ensure that human beings are treated as, as humans. They are, their, their autonomy, their sovereignty is respected. That they are provided with informed consent. Instead of informed consent about the truth of these products and their developmental state, their immature developmental state, we were given a series of lies. Those lies included that these products were safe and effective, of course, without actually qualifying what safe and effective was. You'll recall safe and effective was repeated again and again and again without stating what that meant, okay? That's neuro-linguistic programming. That's psychological operations. That's propaganda. We also received the propaganda that these products would remain at the site of injection and the draining lymph nodes. That was known to be a falsehood before these products were ever deployed into humans. Furthermore, and that's revealed by the, uh, the non-clinical data packages from Japan and from Australia that have now been disclosed. Okay, so we knew that these products deployed all through the body. We knew that they didn't stay where they were injected. We were also told the falsehood that these products in, had a molecule, this modified ribonucleic acid, which would only last in your body for a short period of time. We now know that these products remain in your body and remain biologically active for an undetermined period of time of at least weeks and probably months. Another law. We were also told that these products were, it was necessary that uh, none of us would be safe until we were all safe. This was part of a propaganda campaign to insist that we all accept these products. And that was done, by the way, in violation of well-established norms. That involved coercion, um, compulsion, uh, and enticement. Ice creams for children to take your jab, or hamburgers, or whatever the enticement was, 
That is illegal. That, that is not something that is allowed under standard, well-established bioethics, okay? So this, this series of lies was used to justify deployment of these experimental products, truly uh, with great profit margins, no doubt, which were intended to demonstrate safety and effectiveness of a vaccine platform technology that then, according to a hearing in the WHO in 2020, as I recall, headed up by Margaret Liu, 2021, 2021, thank you, Joe, um, were established that this would become a platform and all that would be necessary in the future would be to swap in a new RNA sequence, okay? Now, what we need to resolve <coughs> the controversy regarding the toxicities associated with this, because we now clearly know that these are neither safe nor effective. We knew at the time, Pfizer knew at the time, these products would not prevent infection. They would not prevent replication and spread of the virus. Now the data is suggesting they don't even augment, they certainly don't protect against death or prevent against death and disease. We all know that. But that was what was asserted at the time. And what we need to resolve all the controversy that swirls around these products and whatever the latest data disclosure is, is for governments to just be open and transparent. That's my core message. All I'm asking for is that we be allowed to access in an open and transparent fashion the data which NHS and the uh, healthcare agencies of the world have acquired so that those data can be analyzed. So we no longer have to wrestle over whether this data is good or that data has this flaw, et cetera, et cetera. Let's all disclose in an open and transparent way so that the world's scientists can evaluate that data and put to rest this controversy about whether or not these products are safe and effective. And I'm running out of time. Um, the current data of uh, somewhere between 700 and 1,000 peer-reviewed studies regarding the safety or lack thereof of these products clearly demonstrate a series of adverse events. I'm just gonna list them. Myocarditis, including tachycardia, reproductive health damage, women all over the world know about the damage to their menstrual cycles. That's now, these are all things that are widely acknowledged, peer-reviewed, multiple hundreds of studies. Reproductive health, Coagulopathy, including stroke, that means blood clotting, abnormal blood clotting. Damage to uh, peripheral, ocular, and central nervous systems, including stroke. Um, immunologic and oncologic <coughs> harms, which Dr. Cole is gonna be speaking about. And the biggest adverse event of all, death. So in conclusion, what we've had here is a rushed product, a rushed technology, a failure to provide respect for humans um, in not allowing them to have informed consent and furthermore actively deploying the most massive propaganda campaign in the history of the modern world to suppress the ability of the public to gain access merely to have the knowledge <coughs> of what the adverse event risks are and I come to you with one request open the books Let's see the data, and let's allow those data to be examined so we no longer have to have this, you know, these little fights over these little details. We can actually get to the bottom of one of the most important questions the world is facing right now. 
Were these products actually safe and effective? Thank you for your time. AIDS is an acronym. It's Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome. That's what it stands for, mm -hmm. Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome. And the data are getting stronger and stronger that the multiple vaccine recipients are having, as we mentioned before, a T-cell suppression. Mm -hmm. Their T-cells aren't functioning as well as they should be. And you can see various markers of downregulation of key signaling molecules and the nuances that we don't have to go into. Mm -hmm. It's measurable. Okay, so there is evidence of an acquired T-cell immunodeficiency in the multiple vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is that clinically significant? You always got to say, well, you can measure something in the laboratory, who cares? Mm -hmm. Is it actually causing problems for patients? Well, Ryan Cole was one of the first ones to signal about the canary in the coal mine of the appearance that there are cancers springing up that are unusually aggressive um, at early age or that were at a, in a kind of an indolent or slow growing stage and then suddenly become very aggressive cancers. Um, he's talked about endometrial, endometrial cancer originally, cancer of the lining of the uterus. Mm -hmm. um, but there's many others now that are popping up that are being observed by cancer surgeons and diagnostic radiologists and pathologists. People often, you know, when they attack Ryan Cole or myself, people that are trained in pathology, they don't recognize that we're not like average docs. We're trained in signal detection, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, the discipline of pathology is the quality control for the entire medical care system and that's why we have to do autopsies. It's not pleasant, I'll tell you. Nobody takes pleasure in doing autopsies, at least nobody I know. Mm -hmm. But it's the QC and pathologists like Ryan and I are trained to detect patterns. So Ryan early on detected these patterns about what appears to be unusual cancers that are unusually aggressive at an unusual frequency. That seems to be playing out. nanoparticles clearly state on their safety data sheets these are not for human and not for veterinary use. These are for research purposes only, yet they went into 5 billion people around the world. Next, please. As Dr. Malone mentioned, this synthetic RNA persists out of Stanford. Dr. Rolke said at least two months later, the RNA was still present, the synthetic RNA. Next, please. Dr. Brogna out of Italy recently proved the synthetic spike protein at least six months later was still circulating in human beings. Next, please. The spike protein is the Swiss Army knife of harm. Next, please. Next, please. This is from Dr. Morris out of Germany, accumulating in the brain the spike protein after injection. Next, please. From Dr. Burkhardt, the late great Dr. Burkhardt. This is in the brain tissue. Anybody hear of brain fog? This is the spike protein where it does not belong, crossing the blood-brain barrier after vaccination. Next, please. Peripheral nerves. This is from my laboratory. We proved it in the peripheral nerve, that burning after the shot, where it homes to the myelin, it homes to where it should go. Next, please. Organ damage, and I don't mean the church organ. Next, please. <laughs> it accumulates in the liver. Absolutely. It causes damage within hours. Next, please. More hepatitis in the liver after these injections. Next, please. 
autoimmune disease, is rampant in studies around the world. Next, please. We knew in 2005 with SARS-CoV-1, if we used that whole spike protein, we would induce immune, harmful immune inflammatory responses. This has been known in science for decades. Next, please. Of course, we hear about myocarditis. This is inflammation in the heart. Next, please. This is spike protein in the heart. On the right, that is persistent mRNA in the heart tissues. Next, please. Dr. Nakahara out of Japan recently proved that six months later, every patient in that study that had the vaccine versus the unvaccinated still had abnormal findings on PET scan, abnormal uptake in the heart tissue six months after the previous injection. Next, please. Uh, next, please. It also accumulates in your very important adrenal glands. Next, please. It also uh, attacks the elastic fibers of the body. That's what holds your tissues together. This is in the skin, destroying the elastic fibers of the skin. Next, please. Reproductive harms, as Dr. Malone mentioned. Next, please. This is spike protein in the placenta, where it does not belong after vaccination. Next, please. This is spike protein, all those brown dots in the uterine lining. Next, please. This is spike protein in the testes. Studies out of Israel show decreased sperm counts, decreased sperm motility. These are all things everybody should have known before one shot went into one human. That would have been informed ESAC. Next. Because of the activity of this spike protein and the mRNA and this gene sequence, it changes the ability of our body to react to other infections. Next, please. Dr. Fossa out of the Netherlands showed how it messes up that critically important T cell immune response. It alters our innate immune system, weakening our ability to react to other pathogens. Next, please. Plot thickens. Let's see how the plot thickens. Next, please. It certainly causes small vessel damage. Next, as you can see the brown dots here, that's spike protein lining the vessels of the body. Wherever that lipid went, those cells can make this toxic, toxic protein, blows those vessels apart. Next, please. It also destroys large vessels. Next, please. Here you see an aorta of an individual that passed. This is from Dr. Burkhardt's series. I have a large series in my lab. That spike protein gets into the wall and destroys those vessels and can cause sudden death. Next, please. And here you see the spike, spike protein in the walls of those large vessels. Next, please. You can also see it in the coronary vessels. Why do we have an increase in coronary events and coronary disease now? After the rollout of these shots statistically around the world. Ask yourself that. Next, please. It also causes an abnormal type of protein to accumulate in the blood, an amyloid-like protein. Next, please. Here we see post-mortem plots that are unusual. This is that type of protein. Next, please. We also see it in the living. This individual is lucky enough to be alive after a thrombectomy and have the clot pulled out. Next, please. It blinds the immune system, as Dr. Gleesh said, so we can't recognize future variants. Next, please. It also causes tolerance. You do not want to tolerate a pathogen. Next, next. Um, if you increase your IgG4, then you suppress your immune system. Then you're tolerant to future variants of whatever pathogen, <coughs> in this case SARS. Going forward, why do those patients continue to get more infections? Because they have the wrong type of antibodies. We've heard antibodies for years now. Antibodies from antibodies. There are good ones, there are bad ones. These are bad ones. And it also decreases your tumor surveillance. Next, please. I'm a beekeeper. I want to be tolerant to allergens. I don't want to be tolerant to pathogens. Next, please. Next. All right. Monster in the room, cancer.
Of the entrance to the Supreme Court of the United States is an inscription, equal justice under law. But as with many principles grounded in tradition and jurisprudence, it's been laid waste to in the Biden era. Now, this is evident not just in how the DOJ has devoted limitless manpower and resources to imprisoning Biden's chief opponent as the as the covered for president's corrupt family. We saw how they've done that, but also in how prosecutors handle the violent BLM mob when compared to how they tormented nonviolent January 6th protesters. Case in point, a Fulton County judge gave a sweetheart deal to these two lovelies. Natalie Hannah White and Chisholm Kingston, the pair who admitted to burning down that Atlanta Wendy's in 2020 after they were supposedly really upset by the death of Rayshard Brooks. Their punishment? A $500 fine, 150 hours of community service, and five years probation. Of course, during the summer of love, the media actually seemed to empathize with the arsonists. Very awful situation has unfolded in Atlanta. You're looking at live pictures coming in uh, from that uh, Wendy's over there uh, where the incident occurred last night. Uh, look at that uh, building. It's now totally engulfed in flames. Uh, Arriva, as you see the situation, it was a very peaceful demonstration, but then things uh, quickly deteriorated. I think we minimize the pain of the protesters when we only focus on the fires or the looting. Yeah, she said that. Now, I know that's a state case, but still, compared to their sentence to that of Paul Hodgkins, who on January 6th walked inside the Capitol and onto the floor of the Senate while carrying a red Trump 2020 flag, well, he got eight months in prison. What about Virginia Spencer? She got three months in jail for illegally parading in the Capitol. Or the so-called QAnon shaman Jacob Chansley, he walked into the Senate chamber with congressional police. He was sentenced to nearly three and a half years in jail for obstructing an official proceeding. Now, none of those January 6th protesters were accused of any violence. I mean, tax it will be on the ballot in the next election. Uh, yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what it looks like is happening. So uh, back wow. in June of uh, this year, we launched a petition campaign under a never before utilized section of the Texas Election Code uh, that essentially says that if you can gain enough uh, petition signatures, in our case, it was ninety seven thousand seven hundred and nine uh, and present it to the uh, a political party, you can actually have a question placed on the primary ballot. So uh, we cross that threshold sometime back. Uh, as a matter of fact, this weekend, the state Republican Executive Committee met, and by, before that meeting ever started, we were well over 102,000 signatures. So uh, we expect to spin in, spin in there on two wheels on the 11th with about 120,000 signatures, uh, asking questions, uh, Texans the question about whether or not we want to reassert our status as an independent nation. Well, Daniel, it's very clear through the signatures that Texas voters would love the chance to head to the polls and vote on this right, and turnout would be incredible, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, obviously we've run the stats on this. We know from the Survey USA poll that was done back last summer that 60% of all Texas voters support Texas, 66% of likely voters, hmm. including 76% of Republicans. Uh, so, you know, the the petition is going to be a, a phenomenal opportunity, I think, in an advisory way uh, for the voters to be able to go have their voices heard on this issue. And we know that independence referendums around the world over the last 75 
five years have an average of 85% voter turnout, which would be about six to seven times what the normal turnout would be in a, in a Republican primary here in Texas. If you were to say out loud in specific terms, the degree of control that that specific agency, and there are many other agencies, but that one specifically CIA had over our public conversation and over our politics, you'd sound like a complete freaking wacko. Like you would, people wouldn't even believe you. And yet it would be absolutely true. So I guess what I'm saying is we understate the power. And I'm, this is, I'm speaking this from knowledge after 35 years in Washington, knowing a lot of people who work there and knowing a lot about it. We understate the power of this intel agency with an unknown budget, unknown staff, unknown reach, unknown mission, like it's completely out of control, like much more than people understand. It's completely out of control. And it's also completely corrupt. I was telling my wife at dinner actually two nights ago um, with a bunch of relatives sitting there, we were thinking of four separate real estate transactions that we were personally party to or on the same street or next door to or whatever of CI officers current CIA officers who are paying millions of dollars for a very expensive real estate. And my wife's like, oh, what about that one? We sold our house once to a CIA officer for all this money. It's like, and the question was like, where do they get all this money? <laughs> You're a federal employee. Where'd right. you get $4 million or $12 million? You know what I mean? Like leaving aside the assassinations and the, the subversion of democracy, just the pure financial corruption of the CIA is like a mind-blowing story that the average person knows nothing about. True. Julie Kelly, another disgusting display uh, by the FBI director who just purges himself, not even prepared. How many? I think two. No, sir, it's 103. I mean, right. it, he's, he's in your face that he's not even going to prep for these hearings. He just He's just sitting there casually. Oh, yeah, that's right. The lies, misrepresentation, and the perjury of this guy is unbelievable. Please tell me, ma'am, on J6, because people's heads are blown up by the scene the footage, that the depositions, the interviews, the testimony, all of it recorded, I think from a thousand you know, witnesses, um, only a couple of uh, transcripts released. Is, is that all missing? Has that, been, has that evidence been destroyed by Benny Thompson, a group of criminals up there? Uh, apparently, according to Benny Thompson, who was the chairman of this select committee, he notified Representative Barry Loudermilk over the summer in a letter that all of the video recordings of the more than that 1,000 depositions taken by the January 6th select committee, a body of Congress, uh, are no longer available. Representative Loudermilk said that they were gone, that they vanished. We're not sure if they have been destroyed. What uh, Benny Thompson said is that they were not preserved. And the reason why he said, astonishingly, is because they had written transcripts of the video depositions. That should be sufficient that they de deemed those written transcripts apparently uh, transcribed by congressional staffers, uh, official court reporters. I don't know who these people were. But the, the written transcripts were enough of a record to meet the House rules in terms of preserving all evidence collected during a congressional investigation that was then supposed to be turned over to the next Congress. So that would have been Republicans after they took over in January of 2023. That is simply not the case. And so where are these tapes? Did they really disappear? Had they been 
intentionally destroyed? Does Benny Thompson have them in his sock drawer? Where are they? Um, But furthermore, Steve, aside from that, so we have a thousand plus witnesses, the January 6th Select Committee assured the public that they were going to release all of the evidence they collected. They did it. Taking aside from the videos, you have hundreds of transcribed interviews that are still missing. If you go to the January 6th Select Committee website, you will only see about 300 transcribed interviews out of 1,000. And you know one transcript that's missing? Bobby Engel, the Secret Service agent, the Cassidy Hutchinson said Donald Trump almost strangled to death on January 6th because he wouldn't take him to the Capitol and instead took him to the White House. That transcribed video recording and interview is nowhere to be found. If the videos weren't worth anything, then why didn't they just do the transcribe? Why didn't they just read those at the hearing? All you saw was was the videos. And Loudermick, he's a lovely guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's doing a great job. But people couldn't pick him out of a police lineup. It's been right. a year. This is December. They should have done that transition in the first two days. We should have talked about this in on January 15th to 23. How could it be December 5th? And now over the last couple of days, this is getting to be a thing. And I don't hear I don't hear Johnson or Jordan or Comer or anybody talking about this, ma'am. Well, because, Steve, this is what you and I talked about, a really colossal mistake that House Republicans made was not forming their own January 6th select committee, not only to investigate the committee that we know buried evidence and now it apparently destroyed evidence. They twisted the entire narrative to blame Donald Trump. Even committee investigators, after the report was released in December of 2022, um, complained to the media that especially Liz Cheney turned the entire exercise into a blame get Trump operation instead of really investigating what some people believed were intelligence and law enforcement failures. That's why that section of the report, Steve, is buried in an appendix. It should be the focal point of the report. Instead, Liz Cheney and Benny Thompson and Adam Schiff buried that at the end. And now they have buried evidence that could contradict, of course, the cherry pick clips that they put on TV that they have played on a nonstop loop. Um, and for, because then you could look at what maybe the witness said before or after. And in a court of law, of course, this would all be relevant. What's even more outrageous, Steve, is that special counsel Jack Smith and Judge Tanya Chutkin called Trump's lawyers' attempt to get the videos. They both referred to that as a fishing expedition. In any other situation, the Department of Justice would be demanding an investigation or opening one into obstruction of an official proceeding, their favorite felony, destruction of evidence. I mean, there are numerous felonies that they could be investigating Benny Thompson and this committee with. But instead, Jack Smith is defending the destruction of these records. Furthermore, Judge Chutkin also agreed that it was a fishing expedition. And get this, she told Donald Trump's lawyers, you shouldn't worry about the videotapes because we have the transcribed interviews. And furthermore, if you're looking for impeachable evidence, which would mean evidence that would discredit a witness that you think their demeanor would tip off in a video interview, you should go back to the transcript, see where they might have look like they were backpedaling or not telling the truth. And then maybe we can go back to the videos and see if that's relevant. This is a cover-up of a, on a massive scale, not just Benny Thompson, but the DOJ and 
Judge Chutkin as well, defending the destruction of key evidence in the biggest criminal domestic terror investigation since 9-11. 